This is London Real. I am Brian Rose. My guest today is David Icke, the English writer and public speaker known since 1990s as a professional conspiracy theorist, calling yourself a full-time investigator into who and what is really controlling the world. As a former footballer, BBC sports television presenter, and spokesman for the Green Party, your interview on Terry Wogan's show in 91 turned you from a respected household name into a laughingstock across the country. You are now the author of over 20 books and over 10 DVDs and have lectured in over 25 countries, speaking live for up to 10 hours to huge audiences, filling stadiums as big as Wembley Arena. Your latest book, Everything You Need to Know But Have Never Been Told, is 700 pages packed with ideas from, in your words, the madman who has been proven right again and again and again. David, welcome to London Real. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Before we get started, what is it like coming to London and what does this city kind of represent to you and what's What's the vibes when you get to a place like this? Well, I live on the Isle of Wight, see. I, I've lived on the Isle of Wight since um, 1982. So, so every time I come to London, it's still, even the, the number of times I've been here and the years that I worked here, it's still a bit of a culture shock. You know, it's all people, movement and stuff like that. And um, it's, um, I like London. I like Londoners, but I don't like what goes on here. Um, because London is one of the great centers of this web of deceit and manipulation. Um, and in so many ways, um, America is, yes, it's important in what goes on in the world, but in, in so many ways, America fires, fires the gun, but the bullets are loaded in uh, Europe and in places like London, not by the British government, of course, but by the center of the secret society web globally which is fundamentally connected to Europe and to to uh, to London so um, I, I don't like what goes on here and the, the British establishment is is um, is not something I care for to say the least or have since I was a kid I've always questioned authority I always feel that um, authority should command respect by its actions not demand it just because it's authority but that seems to be the way things happen and the way things work. Hmm. You start the book in a really interesting way and I just kind of wanted to ask you why you just started to go there but you said that then you kind of go back to that Wogan interview and you said you know mention your name then and it was enough to get a laugh with no joke necessary I was the joke but as it turns out they were the joke all along and then you went on to say that um, in madness to a collective madness looks like madness but it's actually could be normality when that collective is, is actually uh, a little bit mad themselves. Well, What's it like to look back on 30 years and see all this in perspective? Well, you know, I, 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 I do look at the world like that. Um, you know, if, if you're born into a crazy place and you're brought up in the crazy place and you become an adult in the crazy place and all you've ever known in your life is a crazy place, then to you, crazy is normal. Um, and when someone comes from, from um, outside or has started to see it from inside and says, actually, this is a crazy place. Well, you are seen as crazy because you're not normal. You're not the normal, that is actually madness, that people have become used to. And this is, a, this is the thing, uh, Brian, you know. What is normal? Normal is only what we normally experience. So if you are... Um, living in the outback of Australia, your normal is never seeing uh, uh, anyone pass your house, never seeing a vehicle. But if you're born in downtown London or live here, your normal is never not seeing vehicles and people everywhere. And, and so when a, when a vehicle passes someone in the outback, they say, oh, look, there's a car. That's not normal. And then someone walks down a, an empty London street and they say, oh, dear, what's going on? That's not normal. Um, normal is only what we normally experience. And thus, if we live in a crazy place, then that's what we normally experience. And this is how things are. And you're born into a world. And when, when you, you come into the world, it's got great relevance for what's going on now, actually, this. Um, then you take the world to be as it is when you arrive. So you come into a crazy place, but, well, this is how it is. So you don't see it as crazy. Uh, and therefore, um, when someone like me is questioning everything about the crazy place and seeing if it stands up to scrutiny, and most of it doesn't, then of course 
mainstream society is going to see you as mad. I take that as a compliment. It's one of the things I say in the book, to be called mad by, by, by an idiot, as I put it, is, is a compliment. And I've been called mad by many idiots over the years, I can tell you. Um, many of them journalists, funny enough. Um, but uh, it's, um, it's just something you have, to, you have to live with and you have to come to terms with and accept. When you're challenging normality, then that which has accepted normality to be the real world is going to see you as crazy can't be any other way. Mm. Thing is though, and I found this over the last nearly 30 years, if what you say has validity and you keep saying it, despite all the abuse and all the ridicule, you keep saying it, if it has validity, that's the key, if it doesn't, then it won't go anywhere, but if it does, eventually it will be shown to be so. And that's the process that I've been through. Um, it's nothing like completed yet, but it's moving that way, where world events are concentrating people's minds on the fact that the world isn't like they thought it was, and they don't like the way the world's going, they feel uneasy about it, and um, that has got people to, in greater numbers to look at what I've written in the past, which is basically saying the world that we have now and we're going deeper into is the one that's been planned all along. This is the, you know, the basis of what I've been trying to get across all these years. Um, the world is not random. The world is moving in the direction it is because it's been planned to do that. This is why Aldous Huxley in Brave New World, 1932, and um, uh, George Orwell, Eric Blair as he was really called, um, with 1984, published in 1948. That's why they've been so incredibly accurate in predicting the way the world um, is going because they weren't coming totally from their imagination. Because this plan for the uh, global Orwellian state of total control, which is, which is daily coming in, I mean, look around, it's not been planned for five years or ten years. It's been planned for a long, 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 long time. What do you see when you see the world today? And what should we be focused on? What are the big things that, that you see as, okay, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening? Well, um, what I'm seeing is um, more and more people beginning to question what they've not questioned before. That is incredibly uh, encouraging and, and I've just finished a world speaking tour over the last 18 months I've been all over the world it's happening everywhere and it's not just the numbers it's the kind of people what I would call system people you'd never think would ever question uh, the system but they are so uh, because in the end this global conspiracy that I'm I've been exposing for, th for three decades is basically a um, the hijacking of human perception because if there's a few of you, and compared with the target population of what 7.5 billion, something like that now, um, the number of people in full knowledge of what they're doing is tiny. Hundreds, thousands. Thousands maximum. At the core, hundreds at the core. At the core of the core, even less. Um, and the, the rest of the, the structure is fiercely compartmentalized so people are daily different parts of this global web structure playing a part in pushing the world in the direction I'm talking about to this centralized um, world dictatorship without realizing that's what they're doing it's a tiny tiny number so it given given the mathematics you can't physically um, control your target population. There's not enough of you. Yes, you can do it through people in uniform, which is manipulating the target population to police the target population, but you, 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 can't, um, you can't do it um, en masse. What you need to do is control the perceptions of the population, because perception is everything. Perception dictates what you believe what you don't believe, what you'll challenge, what you won't challenge, what you'll accept, you won't accept, support, won't upset, uh, support everything. Once they've got your perceptions, they've got you and they've got 
your your life and they've got the, the, the collective perception they have they have humanity this is why they want to control the information that people receive and to uh, marginalize alternative ways of looking at the world because where do perceptions come from they come from information received it might be um, a personal experience information or it might be the 10 o'clock news but with most people it's going to be the 10 o'clock news but um, it's information so if you if you want people to have a certain perception of a world event the world in general of, of who we are and the nature of reality then control what people receive and then you'll control their perception um, so um, when I look at the world I see vast numbers of people who are perceptually programmed and when I you know, like I break it down in the, in the book, um, when you look at a human life, uh, it's basically a perceptual programming and download from cradle to grave. You know, you, you come out of the womb and immediately you're influenced by your parents in terms of your perceptions. Um, and, and, and they're not being malevolent, most of the time anyway, the vast majority, but they've been through the system you're about to go through, the process you're about to go through, they bought it, accepted it as normal, accepted the crazy place to be sane, and therefore, out of wanting to do right for you, they'll pass those perceptions on to you. And then, and this, this is this, you know, take a deep breath, take a step back, look at it again. When you think about it, Brian, you know, you come out of the womb, and within four years, you've only just got here. You're sitting at a desk with an authority figure representing the state's version of everything in front of you telling you when you when you have to be there when you can leave when you can speak when you can go to the toilet when you can eat what is what isn't what's possible what's not possible and the nature of everything and this goes on all the way through your formative years into higher education if that's where you go and and it's a download of normal a perception of normal what I call it um, the postage stamp consensus it's a narrow band of sense of the possible, which has basically been repeated. One of the greatest forms of mind control, repetition, 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 all the way through your formative years. You then go out from there into the institutions. Uh, you become a journalist, you become a politician, you become a doctor, you become a scientist, you become a, a, a CEO, um, uh, whatever. And you take with you into that, those institutions this core... Um, version of normal and, and when you go as a, a young person into those institutions those institutions are already pillars solidified concrete pillars of the same sense of normal so now you've left school but where you're working is still confirming to you that the madhouse is sane and normal is is how things are a journalist uh, who's doing a story on a um, a medical condition will not go to a complementary practitioner who may have had great success in um, treating the particular ailment they're writing about they'll go to a doctor and the doctor will give him the song sheet postage stamp consensus version of that uh, uh, problem and so normal are kind of are what we believe about medicine Everything. capitalism government all these things are these normals that have yeah, been programmed because it's basically Brian all people here I call it the mainstream everything, uh, the mainstream media, mainstream science, mainstream medicine, mainstream journalism. It, it's all, they're all um, unknowing, most of them, the vast majority, um, agents of the postage stamp consensus. Then you add the fact that the global media, now 24-7, is reporting world events constantly in all their multiple different ways from the same postage stamp normal. So. You know, people like me who, who left the postage stamp a long time ago and the, it passed over the horizon a long time ago, um, we're crazy, not by breaking down what we're saying, but by reflex action, because that's not normal, that's not on the postage stamp. Then you look at politics, and, and we, we've got a choice between left, right and centre, what's called the political class. That's very, very true, political class, but it's, I, I would call it something else. It's the postage stamp consensus political class because 
the left in politics is on, is on the left of the postage stamp, the centre somewhere in the centre, and the, the right's on the right of the postage stamp. But they're all on the postage stamp, still coming from this perception of normal that is about, you know, to use another analogy, about the size of a pea. So it's the illusion of choice. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and then you have peer pressure because um, all those people um, who the vast majority have accepted this download of normal, you know, like the, with the blinkers on, I have no problem with that. If, if you want to give your mind away to someone else's perceptual um, program, fine. The problem comes when those people think that they can then um, dictate, ridicule, um, intimidate those that have a different view. Because that's psychological fascism for me. Um, if we're going to have a discourse, we should have all opinions in the discourse. But this is not what happens. The postage stamp consensus is policed by those that have downloaded it and accepted it. Um, for, for a long time I've used the analogy of uh, sheep and the sheepdog. You know, um, people laugh at sheep because um, they follow the one in front and they follow the shepherd and then they, they run away from the sheepdog, symbolic of fear. But humans have outsheep the sheep. We don't even need a sheepdog. We police each other. You can't say that. What will your mother say? What will the people at work say? I don't care. I don't care. What they, what they say. They have a right to believe what they believe, but, but actually, funnily enough, so do I, even if it's different. So the, 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 the stadium in which this control of humanity is played out is in human perception. And what's happened over the last few years, because um, when I started out nearly 30 years ago, there was no alternative media. You know, I mean, it, it, for, for young people today, they might find this kind of seriously ancient but when I and uh, unbelievable but when I started out doing what I do you communicated um, by printing off leaflets and handing them out in the street there was no internet but as as this has grown um, and the internet has, has uh, grown um, there has been and this is the key there has been an alternative source of information to the postage stamp consensus. Now, to be honest, I think that one of the drawbacks, or not drawbacks, no, um, what, one of the limiting things about the alternative media is that much of that still comes from the postage stamp consensus. It might be on the, right beyond the, the far, far edge, but it's still on the postage stamp consensus. This is why much of the alternative media dismisses and has ridiculed me over the years as much as the mainstream has. So I don't, think, I don't think it goes far enough in delving into things like the nature of reality, which is of, has fundamentally important importance to human freedom. Um, but when, um, when you look at how this um, alternative information has actually given people another way of looking at the same thing, another way of looking at 9-11, another way of looking at the banking system, another way of looking at uh, terrorist attacks and, 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 and what they use to justify and, and people have got more streetwise. We, 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 some of us have talked um, in depth about the nature of reality itself, and people have gone, hold on, the, the, maybe the world's not like I thought it was. And what this has done has, not in its entirety, but it's been massively influential in triggering this gathering reassessment of what people perceive about the world, about themselves, about world events. And that's why now we're seeing this war on freedom of speech. We're seeing the Sil Silicon Valley giants in the devil's playground um, more and more algorithmically controlling the flow of information using hoaxes like fake news um, because um, they uh, don't want this information circulating because their perceptual imprisonment is being unraveled by alternative information and we, we are now at a point where the um, the efforts to suppress alternative information are going to get hysterical they already are 
Um, is that manifested in political correctness? Political correctness is quite simply getting the target population to silence itself. That's what it is. Um, and, you know, as I've said, this, is, this plan has been around a long time. And it's been incrementally introduced step by step, what I call the totalitarian tiptoe. And every step has been projected and promoted as, as unconnected to the other steps. But when you start seeing patterns, you can see it so, so, so. Uh, but they didn't plan on the alternative media, or did they? Well, uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll come to that. Okay. I, think, I think they were surprised by it. Um, uh, but that's, that, that's an, an interesting point, an interesting story. But um, what I was um, uh, talking about uh, there was uh, the way this has been incrementally uh, done uh, and, and has been brought in um, step by step by step. And uh, where um, it's meant to end is with the total control of human perception. Up to this point, they have manipulated human perception by manipulating the information people receive. The plan is to go beyond that where they are the perception. And what I'm talking about, of course, is um, artificial intelligence, which brings us back to the devil's playground, Silicon Valley, because that is increasingly the center in the shadows is where it's coming from, but in terms of the world that you can see, Silicon Valley is becoming the center of global control. Not only is it driving, pe people will be shocked to see how deep Google, oh, it's just a search engine, um, and, and Facebook, oh, it's just a social media platform, to see how deep they are in the transhumanist agenda of connecting the human brain to, um, to artificial intelligence so that artificial intelligence becomes the human mind. And that's not me pulling this out of the ether. I'm quoting there a Google executive, uh, Ray Kurzweil, one of the, one of the global um, PR men for Frankenstein. Is he a Google exec? I know he's at Singularity he's a, University. He's a Google exec he? at the know. Singularity University. Okay. And um, he has said, uh, that by 2030, and that, that's a, 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 a date, that, a year that keeps coming up again and again, 2030, um, the human brain will be started to be connected to artificial intelligence. And I'm quoting Kurzweil here. And then artificial intelligence will do more and more of human thinking until there is no human thought and artificial intelligence is doing it all. Now, why are they openly saying this now? Because the sales pitch is it will make us superhuman. So isn't that great? And all this um, uh, getting the population, especially the young, will be the adults then, addicted to technology is all about the here, kitty, 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 preparing people to accept this. So you've got that um, agenda uh, at the end of this road of the human mind as we know it being replaced by artificial intelligence. But out of the same, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, out of the same devil's playground, Silicon Valley, is coming the, the Google, Facebook, uh, etc., um, algorithmic uh, censorship, more and more, of the alternative media using various excuses. Because what they do is this. They'll give you an excuse. Oh, we've got to stop jihadis. Okay, okay, right. So, oh, yeah, we'll stop jihadis. Uh, okay, okay. And then... They widen it and widen it. It's not jihadis anymore. It's people like me it's, it, and other people that are, that are questioning the official narrative and they pull them in. So the alternative media is under tremendous pressure now um, uh, and, uh, and suppression um, because it's, um, it's challenging the narrative. And that changes perception. Change perception, you change the world. Did the uh, Illuminati, I don't know what we call them, did they see the Devil's Playground coming? Or is the technology a bump in their plans? Well, they created it. They created it. You see, this is another thing. What do we call them? Because when you talk about the reptilian shapeshifters, even in your live events, 
you say, okay, here we go. If you haven't heard this before, you're going to take a deep breath, yeah. and I'm going to talk about the reptilian shapeshifters. And then you talk about it. Um, so can you talk about them? And is it the Illuminati and everything that goes around it? And why do you qualify that for the newbies in the room? Because you didn't believe it at first. Well, I, I, I did not believe it. I just put it on the back burner and saw, uh, uh, when I start, first started hearing this information. I, that's what I do. If I hear something that's, you know, fantastic, um, what um, most people will do because of this perceptual download, this post-stamp consensus, they'll say, load of rubbish, basically doing that. But what I've done over the years is said, oh, well, okay, that's interesting. So we'll put it on the back burner and we'll see what else comes. And then more information comes and then you go somewhere else, more information comes from unconnected sources of, uh, over a period of time. And eventually it crosses the line where you think, look, there's something going on here because this is, this is just too much now. I've got too much information, too much corroboration, too much uh, supporting uh, evidence and experience. Um, but, you know, th this is an interesting point, this whole thing about non-human manipulation of human society. Because um, this perceptual download, the postage stamp consensus, is so narrow in its sense of the possible that almost everything in eternity um, is rejected by the postage stamp, by reflex action. One of the things you get is, oh, you, I, I bet you believe in little green men and all this stuff. Um, well, hold on, let's just take a perspective here. According to mainstream science, the electromagnetic spectrum is 0.005% of what exists in the universe. Some say it's a bit more, but not much. Visible light, which is the only frequency band that we can see, is a fraction, a tiny fraction, of the 0.005%. So humans, compared with what exists, even in this universe, are basically blind. We, we don't live in a world, we live in a band of frequency. Actually, we live in an information source if you go deeper. And then you, you look at the, according to mainstream science's projection of the size of the universe, compared with that, planet Earth is the equivalent of one billionth of a pinhead. Now, the postage stamp program is so all-pervading and the suppression of information like I've just said in the mainstream is all-pervading that people laugh at the fact that this world could be manipulated by a non-human force when they can see a tiny fraction of 0.005% on a planet equivalent to a billionth size of a pinhead um, and, and see the key to keeping people in perceptual servitude is to suppress the nature of reality itself. Because if, if people realize what I've just said, they are far more likely to say, well, hold on a minute then. If we can't see almost anything, then what else exists? Well, hold on a second. Look at the diversity of form in the human form never mind the animal world and the insect world, that's operating within that tiny band of frequency. What the heck exists in terms of diversity of form beyond that, which is in the almost entirety of existence that we can't see? And, and when you come from that perspective, then non-human entities that many taking a reptilian form becomes far less fantastic that if you're coming from postage stamp consensus, which is waving it away by reflex action, load of rubbish. And, you know, I've not sat in a darkened room pulling this out of the ether. Um, I've, I've researched all over the world. And when you have um, ancient cultures all over the world um, who are describing non-human entities in the unseen, which is almost what isn't unseen to the humans in the way that I've just described. Um, many taking a reptilian form, 
And that has passed through the ages. And then you meet people in places like America, because once you start talking about this, you become uh, someone that people will give information to, because they can see a way of getting out to the public arena, because you won't think they're crazy. Um, and they're telling you the same. You know, people who've been in mind control projects, people who've, who've been in government projects, who've interacted with these entities in, in underground bases, um, and they're describing what the ancients described. When you've got this, this man who's unfortunately just died in his 90s, um, William Tompkins, writing a book in um, 2015, um, describing how he was seconded in 1942 into a top secret um, uh, naval intelligence operation in America based at the uh, naval base at San Diego, um, where uh, he, his, his role or the role of that organization was to interact with non-human entities and he um, produces documents he produces pictures of people he was with to support what he claims and he's saying world governments are, co are controlled by a reptilian non-human race um, I've, I've been saying that since the 90s who are, these, who are these people royal family reptiles Trump well, well, let, let, let's look at how, 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 how it works. Um, first of all, these entities operate in the unseen, overwhelmingly in the unseen. Um, because we, like I said earlier, live in a frequency band, a band of frequency. Um, anything beyond that frequency we can't see, we're not aware of. And, you know, uh, people have no trouble accepting that the old analog system of radio and television stations um, are different frequencies sharing the same space without interfering with each other unless they're really close on the dial. You know, the analog system, BBC One and ITV and CNN, they're sharing the same space, but they're just on different frequencies and the, um, the television picks up different frequencies as you change the channel. Well, in the same way, worlds uh, of, or realities, it's a better term, are sharing the same space without interfering with each other unless they're very close on the dial. And, and at that point where they're close on the dial and, 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 and there is some form of interaction, that's what we call ghosts and paranormal activity. Um, and so these, not just reptilian but other non-human entities, are operating just outside of the human sight and um, they have to have vehicles within our frequency band within our world that represent their interests that um, are basically vehicles for them to manipulate our society and so um, particular bloodlines were created that are hybrids part reptilian not, not always reptilian, but part reptilian, part human, um, which is the origin of the royal aristocratic bloodline um, whole order of the ages. You know, the ancient Chinese emperors used to claim the right to be emperor because of their descendants from the serpent gods. Um, and the reason that these um, royal bloodlines and aristocratic bloodlines have incessantly, obsessively interbred, it's because they're holding this hybrid genetic program. And for a long time, they ruled because they were the special bloodline. What, what, what is it? Just down the road from us now in London, we have a head of state, even today, who is head of state because of her bloodline. The Queen. The Queen. If she was a different bloodline, she might be cleaning the throne, not sitting on it. This is the nonsense of it. Why are you queen? Because someone had sex with someone and, 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 and that person was born first, therefore they're the monarch. Sorry, I, th I thought we lived in a civilized society with some form of intelligence. What's going on? But uh, across much of the world, as humanity started to... Um, awaken a bit more from its civility to, um, to these royal bloodlines, um, 
they couldn't sustain it any longer. And so um, the, the, the royal in-your-face control started to disperse. It's, it's still around in some areas, like we still have a monarchy in here and the Commonwealth countries, but in lots of countries it disappeared. But these bloodlines didn't. And their sense of being special and being, quote, royal never ended either. And so they moved into the dark suit professions of banking, of politics, of, of well, all the dark suit professions, government administration, etc. And they've gone on running the show ever since um, while not being overtly royal. And of course what happened with the so-called British, Great British Empire, or these other European empires, is these bloodlines went all over the world and they imposed themselves um, in, in the North America, in South America, in Australia, uh, uh, all over the world. And they've gone on controlling ever since. But when you look at the situation from, um, from just a, a you know, general population perspective, everything seems to be unconnected. People seem to be unconnected. But when you, when you go deep into the shadows, they're not unconnected. What you have is a, a structure, a global structure, um, which is like a spider's web. A very good way of describing it. At the center is the spider. That's this reptilian and other uh, non-human force, um, which is operating in the unseen. The strands immediately around the spider are the most exclusive secret societies. Uh, Such as? Well, you won't even be able to name them. Some of them don't even have names, so they're harder to uh, um, establish. They're really exclusive groupings of people who are close enough to the spider to know the big picture. You come out from them, um, they're people you'll never see in the public arena. You come out from them and then you start hitting um, secret societies that we do know of. And when I, when I say the Freemasons, Knights of Malta, Knights Templar, the inner circle of the, um, the Jesuit order, uh, Opus Dei, etc., I'm not talking about everybody who's a Freemason. <sighs> Nothing like. These structures, not these secret societies, are fiercely compartmentalized. You're looking at the inner core of these organizations, not, not most of its membership, who, who are clueless about what that organization is really about. But the people within these secret societies who are kept in the dark are, are a wonderful front, unknowing front, that which these others can hide behind. So you keep coming out from the spider and eventually you hit what I call the cusp organizations where the hidden meets the scene. So here you will find the Bilderberg Group, the Council on Foreign Relations in America, the Trilateral Commission, the Club of Rome, which was created to manipulate the environment to justify global transformation, um, and organizations like that. And then you come into the scene, and you're into governments, you're into the banking system, you're into corporations, you're into media ownership, etc. Um, and to the, the, the public looking on, the decisions that impact upon the world and impact upon their lives are being made in the world of the scene. Being made by politicians, they're being made by uh, bankers and, and what have you. But ultimately, the, the plan for the total subjugation of humankind is coming from the spider and it's playing out through this structure. And this is why, what, what I've been doing, uh, Brian, is I've been going around the world um, in the last uh, 18 months talking. I've, I, what, I, what I've been setting out in this 10-hour talk is, is the, the background and also the wish list, what, how they want the world to change and how they want to change it and what they want to introduce. So every time I go into a country, I usually get there four or five days early, and I've got a checklist, checklist from the talk of all the things that, because America's further ahead of anybody than anybody, and, and Britain too, but um, what I have this checklist, and it, it, it might be Australia, it might be the Balkans, it might be Serbia and those countries, it might be anywhere in Europe, it might be America, Canada. Every time I go into a country, check, 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 check. Same you, things are happening everywhere. What are some of those things? Some, some, some um, countries obviously are further ahead, like America, Britain, etc. But they're all moving in that direction. Well, first of all, 
you have the incessant centralization of power, you have um, the uh, gathering police state, you have the disappearance of cash, you have political correctness more and more imposing itself on country after country after country, um, uh, silencing people, a war on freedom of speech, um, and also the whole transgender uh, um, agenda, which I expose in the book. Um, so, and that's just a few. Um, and one of the reasons that more and more people are looking at my work is because what I wrote in the 1990s is happening now. Because, and, and you know, when I say, look, I said that in 1995 and it's happening, I don't say that so that people say, oh, look, he's good, he, he, he knew that was coming. No, no, I say it for one reason. If I knew it in 1995 and 1992, it's not random. It's been planned. Otherwise, how would I know it? I would Orwell have known it. I would um, Huxley have known it. And one of the people I, I, I quote in that book, but, all, but massively so in the last one, Phantom Self, is um, a man called Dr. Richard Day, who was a Rockefeller insider, very, very close associate of the Rockefeller family. And for, for whatever reason, in 1969, which was what, just about 20 years after Orwell's book came out, um, he addressed some uh, pediatricians in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and no one knows why he did it, but he, he asked them to um, turn off recording equipment and not take notes because he was going to tell them how the world was going to change because what he represented was going to change it that way. And one doctor, a guy called Lawrence Donegan, he did take notes and he later did a series of interviews about what this Richard Day said that night when he realized that actually the world was changing in the way Day said it would. And... Um, the world today is a mirror, not just in, de in the theme, but in detail of what Day said um, at that time in 1969. And one of the things that Day said, which was like, what? In 1969, we are going to make boys and girls the same. This transgender explosion is not about, uh, when I say explosion, I mean this, this obsession with it. Language, everything. Um, getting uh, even small children to question their gender systematically everywhere check check every country I go into like I say it's further ahead in some places but it's happening everywhere and further ahead is not a compliment no <laughs> no it's not no no um, it's further ahead in, in, in this this agenda um, these things are not random what are they trying to do with the transgender well as part of, and this, this will sound fantastic, except that if you do the research. We just talked about lizard shapeshifters. This no, won't sound fantastic. They're, they're already um, doing what I'm about to say. Um, this spider, uh, and we can come to shapeshifting too and how that works as if we get into the nature of reality itself. Um, but this spider has an agenda for the world. And it's, I've got a chapter in, in the new book called The Assimilation. And it is to assimilate the human mind, human uh, consciousness, so that the, their mind becomes the human mind. Because, you know, people keep talking about artificial intelligence. They say, oh, artificial intelligence is taking over this, artificial intelligence is running that. What I don't hear is, okay, what is artificial intelligence? What is it? Because I, I quote some people in the book, I could, could have quoted many more, scientists working with artificial intelligence who don't understand it, and I openly admit they don't understand it. They don't understand how it, it, the speed in which it's progressing. There was a story uh, this week about artificial intelligence creating artificial intelligence technology that was better than human artificial intelligence technology. We, 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 are, we are playing with the end of humanity here. What is artificial intelligence? What I say uh, at some length in the book actually is this, this force of manipulation. Ultimately, that's what's controlling artificial intelligence. So when artificial intelligence, if we allow it, takes over human perception, then what's taking over human perception is this manipulative force. It's been a progression, because I'll say this to you. The control of humanity 
on the scale and the level that we're seeing depends for its total success on technology. Without technology, without computerization, couldn't have happened. Without this technology that's, that's um, emerging all the time, pushing it on, it couldn't have happened. Are we really saying that people are sitting round a table, tapping their fingers, waiting for some geek in a garage to invent the next level of technology they need to push this controller on? I had to laugh, you know. A few months ago, the BBC did um, two documentaries on Silicon Valley. They were all right. Um, they actually questioned it a bit, fully enough, uh, but not enough, but a bit. But there was this sequence of garage doors. And as the sequence went through, the voiceover was saying, behind this garage door, this technology was created. Behind this garage door, this was created. Behind this garage door, this was created. And I could imagine, you know, the... the, the uh, the manipulator sitting around a table saying, too many garage doors, guys. Too many garage doors. They're going to they're suss it in a minute. Too many garage doors. We need another narrative, another story. And why do I say that? Because what I'm saying is actually this technology that seems to be brand new and coming out of nowhere, just invented. I say that technology existed and was known about by this non-human force, the spider, while humans were knocking rocks together and shooting arrows. And this is all part of the plan. They're leaking it's, it out it, to They're us. leaking it out. Okay. And of course, they need cover stories um, to, to get it into the public arena uh, as if it's coming from the public arena. I say it's not. I mean, I've talked to people and read many, many accounts of people who have um, worked in what they call dumbs deep underground military bases where you need a higher security clearance the lower you go and they go deep deep into the earth who have talked about the fact that if you go deep enough that's where the interaction takes place between non-human entities and 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 human scientists um, which ends up in the public arena as oh just discovered a new technology uh, and, and can I ask, why do they want to do this, the manipulators? Why not get rid of us? Why keep us around? Why keep stringing us along? We must have some value to them if that's what they're doing. Well, yes, we do. And I, 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 I can sum it up in a scene from The Matrix. Uh, when is that movie made by them, or was that alternative media, or is it hard to tell? It's hard to tell. Because um, they're throwing us a bone every now and then. Yeah. So we yeah. can feel like we know what's going on. Well, yeah, and, and also, you know... Um, just a quick aside, um, the world they want to take us into, and we are going into, unless we wake up, is so fantastically different from the world we've known that they have a big problem with that, that chasm. So I'm not saying this is about the Matrix, possibly, but I'm not, I'm not saying it for sure, but I am saying it for sure about this stream of movies, year after year after year after year, that are portraying the very dystopian machine-controlled society that they want to take us into. Because it, it's called preemptive programming. What they're doing is systematically making us subconsciously, consciously too, more and more, but subconsciously familiar with that world. So that as it comes in for real, it's less of a chasm, it's less of a shock because we're being prepared for it. Because it's all a mind game. It's all a perception game. The whole uh, uh, thing is uh, a perception game. So what Morpheus did in the Matrix movie is he held up a battery and he said, um, basically, the machines have turned human into one of these, which is an energy source. And you remember the, the scenes in the, in the Matrix of, of the babies and having their, their energy uh, trawled? If, if you look at common themes uh, of ancient cultures um, and of uh, people I've spoken to uh, on the inside of the system, uh, particularly in America, um, there is a common theme that these entities um, feed off human low vibrational energy. Um, because of, uh, um, a perceptual state is a frequency. If I'm in a state of depression, then 
I'm in, a, I'm in a frequency. Depression is a frequency. Joy is a frequency in our reality. Um, and if you're going to absorb energy as a source of sus energetic sustenance, then that energy has to be within the frequency band you operate on. And, and these um, non-human entities that um, are manipulating human society, by the very nature of who they are, how they act, I mean, the human word psychopath and psychopathic just encapsulates them. Um, if you look at the so-called hair test of psychopathic traits, including no empathy and, and at the top, um, where people have no fail-safe mechanism of behavior because they have no emotional consequence because they have no empathy, therefore anything goes. Things that we couldn't do because emotionally, empathetically, we couldn't do it to people, they have no problem because they, have, they, they are empathy deleted. So they're in a low frequency state, um, and therefore if they're going to use uh, humans as an energetic source, human emotion has to be in a low vibrational state. So they've set up a human society to generate maximum fear, low vibrational state, anxiety, depression, um, conflict, um, and all these um, low vibrational emotional states, uh, uh, you know, fear of the future. Um, uh, regret of the, uh, the past, um, resentment, all these low vibrational states, and they feed off them. They feed off them, just like Morpheus was talking about. They've turned humans into one of these. So we are an energy source to them. Um, and the, uh, the idea is to get uh, humans controlled by artificial intelligence so that they completely control our perceptual state. Is that the final plan? Yes. Then they're done if they do that right. And yes, because then, then they've got complete control. They um, will then be able, through artificial intelligence, to dictate um, the human uh, frequency and be able to feed off it. And, and uh, without anything like the same amount of manipulation it's taken this far. See, so if you have a war, even fear of a war. Fear of a war, anxiety. A war itself, it's an energetic explosion of low vibrational energy. And that's what you see with the war on terror, with all these conflicts. All of it. It's two world wars. I mean, l l look at the world and the number of wars and conflicts. And this is an interesting point too, uh, Brian. Um, there was a book written... Um, by an English academic called Steve Taylor called The Fall some years ago now. And what he was doing was focusing on a period about 6,000 years ago when there was a very significant and in terms of what we call evolution a very fast change in the human psyche. Uh, and it came out um, of the Middle East after an invasion of what he calls Indo-European and Semitic peoples. Of course, when I say Semitic, people think, oh, you mean Jewish? No, no. Semitic um, refers to a language group uh, uh, in the Middle East, and the vast, vast majority of Semitic peoples are Arabs. Something else that's an inversion. People, well, no, 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 just Jewish, and it's Semitic. No, no, it's not. So it was Indo-European and Semitic peoples. And from this, these violent invasions around 6,000 uh, uh, years ago, um, this new psyche came out of the Middle East, up into Europe, and eventually through the empires of Europe all over the world. And it was a psyche that um, that saw everything very differently to what had gone before. According to Steve Taylor, um, before this change of psyche, there was no war as we know it. There was no male-dominated society as we know it. There was no uh, a hierarchy as we know it in terms of um, uh, hierarchy of wealth. There was no um, bricks-and-mortar religion as we know it. Uh, and one cultural um, uh, academic, uh, Rianne Esler, uh, Esler in America, called it the great change, uh, a change that basically has never been seen before. And as the uh, European empires, with this new psyche, as Taylor calls it, um, started going around the world, 
they were imposing this new psyche on the native peoples. They would go into Africa, they'd go into Asia, South America, the Native Americans, they would go into Australia and the Aboriginal people, and they would take the place over, they would marginalize the old psyche, if you like, or, or, or the, um, the ancient knowledge. As uh, a great friend of mine, Credo Mutwa, a Zulu shaman, who's now in his 90s, said to me, he said, when, 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 when the Europeans came into South Africa, they, they milked the minds of the shaman to find out what they knew and they killed them. They wanted an end to that, that um, stream of, of knowledge from the ancient world. So basically, they started with an historical ground zero where they could, they could invent another history. Reprogramming. You, yeah, an, an, a new program. Now, what's also fascinating is this guy, William Tompkins, um, who wrote about uh, his work since 1942, uh, from 1942 in this naval intelligence interaction operation with non-human entities, um, who talks about uh, um, uh, reptilian races controlling world governments. He said that this reptilian, um, this reptilian force started to impose its, itself 6,000 years ago which is kind of interesting because that's, that's when this new psyche uh, uh, happened. Again, what is a new psyche? It's control of perception. It's a new perception. And so when you, uh, you talk to native peoples, like I, I spent hours talking to some uh, um, Aboriginal people in um, uh, Western Australia when I was out there last year, um, they're talking about their oral history and their belief system. And they're speaking the language that I'm speaking from way off the postage stamp. And that way off the postage stamp perception is what has been deleted by the new psyche. The postage stamp is this new psyche, basically. And because what the brain is doing, it's a processor of information, just like a computer. And if you program a computer to process information a certain way, it will. Process, uh, program it to process information another way, it will. And as the brain is processing information a certain way, that's your perception. But what you can do, because consciousness is all-powerful, is if you can break the program, and, and, and allow your mind to expand into what I would call consciousness beyond mind, beyond the five senses, then you can override the program. And that's what you're trying to teach people how to do, or, or just show them that there's a reality and get yes. them to snap out of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the millions of people now that have had these near-death experiences, and uh, when, when they've left the body, when the body's died. What is the body? The, the body, because um, we call it about the physical body, the body's not actually physical. Um, this is why shape-shifting is possible. If the body was solid and physical, shape-shifting would be impossible. You can't, you can't shape-shift a, a solid physical body to a solid physical body. It's I haven't ridiculous. seen the shape-shift, so I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's, have it, you? Well, I've seen eyes go, yeah. I've seen eyes go. Have, you met, not, have I, you met one of those I, I've reptilians? Not, yeah, I've, I've seen eyes go. Okay. Yeah, so, I've, yeah. Se I've seen eyes change from, from round pupil to slit pupil. Okay, I'm not one of them. But, uh, <laughs> no. Okay, good. But, um, do they know that they are? Do they know they're complicit always? Some do, some don't. Okay. Most don't. Um, things like schizophrenia um, uh, um, has, has many causes. And, but there is a, a schizophrenia in these people because, you know, which, which part of this dual field, this hybrid nature, is is calling the shots at different points. They sound um, very powerful, David. How how will this play out? Do we have any chance against them, or well, do you not care because you're you're you've been open to a new reality and you are not gonna give up until you try to convince everyone of the reality you know? No, I'm not trying to convince anybody. Okay, uh, that's the big important point. The last thing we need is someone else standing up saying, "I've got all the answers. Listen to me, and everything will be fine." What I'm saying to people is, there's another way of looking at the world. There is a vast, vast uh, spectrum of information that's off the postage stamp that you never see. Um, and that 
you are not who you think you are. You know, the, 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 the greatest um, of all suppressions is the suppression of knowledge of who we really are.